Hello and welcome to a new episode of the BIM Voice podcast. Today I have the pleasure to talk with a strategic advisor at AssetWise for Lifecycle Asset Management, member of board at Building Smart Benelux and freelance project manager. Before this, he worked for a long period of time as strategic advisor for asset management at the Schiphol Airport in Netherlands. Welcome, Alexander Warp. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Kato. It's so nice and exciting to have you here. Uh, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, well, um, I can start with that. I just, uh, just uh, got a new job at Waternet as Asset Information Manager, uh, where we're going to try to develop the asset information management based on data that comes out of design, construction, and handover moments, and how we can use that through the whole life cycle again and base our decision making more on data than on the guts we have internally. So, good challenge, new challenge. Yeah, it sounds like a, a saga for uh, your uh, the story started with the uh, Schiphol Airport, like a continuum for that. Yeah, yeah, it's a tool of tool. But it just uh, it started at Schiphol when I first um, started there as strategic advisor for maintenance and operations at the the, the oper- um, terminal real estate department that that owns all the operational buildings. And we started there to find out how can we improve our requirements on our assets during on the life cycle, the whole life cycle. And we all always work with Excel and with paper, of course, to the drawings. And then I had a graduate student who said, well, maybe I can help you to look at BIM. Can BIM help you improve your asset management? And that was in 2010. And, and, and the conclusion was, of course, yes, you have to digitize. You have to go look at another way of, of keeping your information up to date and up to date constantly, not only after a project, but during the project and during your maintenance. And then came BIM and then we said we have to digitize. And from that on, it took a flight for me because I never worked in digitization. And it triggered me, it motivated me to to look differently at the problems we had and to use to solve problems. And then, then a world opened for me, say, why haven't we done this earlier? Also at Schiphol, we have a lot of requirements, and, and but all on documents still. So we have to digitize it. And then, yeah, I learned a lot, met a lot of good people, uh, learned more and more that open standards can help you. And then where do you have to say you have to structure your data? And well, and now again, the same problem at WaterNet. How can we organize our requirements? How can we make follow the data we get in and out? So we give data away, but also have to be complete. It's amazing. It's so much fun to do. So much opportunities. Yes, but uh, so you're saying you're starting almost at the same level you started in 2010? No, luckily not. Luckily <laughs> not because what we when we look at that the technology has changed. Um, when I started, uh, object type libraries were new to organize your data structure and your demands and your requirements. And nobody ever even heard about linked data when I started in 2010. Linked data is probably the next challenge we have in front of us, but also makes it more confusing because people want to run faster than your own organization is because also the group I work with now is looking three steps ahead of the rest of the, the organization. So it's really hard to keep track, to keep them on board on the new developments. And so 
luckily not as we started at 2010, but what we see that is the culture in people and to change, really change your working method. It's not new way of working, but an other way of getting your information. And if I look at that, yes, it's the same as 2010 because people are not grasping the benefits of digital way of working and that you can really base your decisions on actual information, not on history, but on actual information. So some part, yes, it's the same, but luckily not all. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, actually, uh, I, I used to, to say this, but this is one of the other reasons I started the podcast. Because like I thought that we are talking about BIM, like you said, from 2010, yes? But yeah. but the culture and the, the way we are doing things, it's very much the same. It's not very big difference except uh, some places or uh, some, uh, some companies, right? It's not uh, like a mass uh, concept, adoption yet. So this I've, I've seen as a challenge that first I wanted to educate myself more and I thought it might be helpful for other people as well. Agree, agree, yeah. And I think that people always try to solve their problems themselves in organizations. And when I worked at Schiphol, I had the chance to broaden my perspective, um, to travel. And that's how you found me, to, to, to tell our vision at Schiphol uh, broader than only in our own company. And if you go to congresses, follow people around, um, like Menno de Jong from BAM, uh, Royal BAM Group, and he's also a visionaire, I think. You broaden your own perspective and you see that things can change and that technology can do, solve almost all your problems. But then the challenge is to, to change your culture inside your company, to get them on board, to make them understand. And I think that's even harder than technology that we have available at the moment. Yes, I, I can get people it. on board on the train to the, to the new way of working. Exactly. And it's even more, uh, uh, even a harder challenge if you don't have the top leadership understanding this, the importance of this. Agree, yeah, yeah. also that's felt true, true. And I had last Thursday, at the, yesterday that was, of course, I had a presentation uh, for the board, uh, for the, the leaders of the WaterNet company where I work at now. And I tried to explain them the technology that can help us make better decisions and why we need the technology in the background, but the, the culture change is the hardest. And all they remembered was how hard the technology was and how difficult technology is. And I said, no, the technology is easy. You as leaders have to embrace digital way of working, embrace that we are going to ask our information differently than on paper, and you should demand it and also tell that to your followers in your, in your departments. Then we can really make progress. If they can still go back to the Excel, we will not improve our decision-making. No. And that's why I shortly explained the technology behind the database, uh, linked data, the future. I gave them a, the, how do you call it, the spot on the horizon, the, the way where we have to go to, with each other, and that we have to be open, share our knowledge, share our visions to get more people on board. And even as we have one that is a government agency, and that we should educate our contractors, help them to digitize, support them in making that they also the smaller companies can work digital yeah and and don't just demand it but help yeah Give, reach out your hand to to discuss the, the, the potential 
how it can help their workflows and make them work more efficient as well. And that's culture change as well, because everybody said that, but I'm the, the client, they just should do it and I can lean back. And I said, no, in this process, we have to do it together and share and be open to also get uh, acknowledge our mistakes. Yes, and uh, of course, lead by example, right? Be the best yeah. example you can be. And, uh, and even if it's, uh, it's not very good to just demand things, but still, if you are not you don't educate yourself and you don't learn to require better kind of information that you need to be delivered, that you can use easier when you're going to use to operate the facility, right? Then, yeah. then uh, they, there is not so much incentive for the constructor or for the designer to change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so true. And what all the first question you always get, but what are you going to do with it? Why are you demanding this? It's so much work. I said, well, first of all, if you design in 3D and use Revit or Archicad or Crystal 3D, a lot of the information I'm demanding is already in your model. Exactly. Because you design on it. So it's not difficult to, to complete, to, to how to call it, reply to my demand, to my wishes as data. But people, not everybody knows that. And that's why you sometimes have to help them, educate them, and the contractors, they have also beneficial because they can plan more exactly. They can do calculations much better. So a lot of waste for them also will be lost. Uh, they will make more profit because it's easier, more insights. And so I say, if we work digitally together from day one, it's a win-win. You can work more efficiently. You say failure costs as well, because not all failure costs, you can go back to the client and knock on their door. Hey, sorry, I made a mistake. So if you are and if you open and share, you can always also point to the client. You made a mistake in your design, in your requirements. And if you are open about it, you can always go to, to the win-win situation that we make a budget. And if you keep stay under it, we share it as well. So not just only the client benefits then, but also the contractors will benefit. So be open. So this is the don't only go for the extra cost as contractor, but make sure you can spoil the client hey i'm under budget and make sure as a client you can demand if you stay on the budget we can share the profit for both ways the client wins and you win oh that it's sounds a win -win. like a nice uh, strategy i it's first time i'm hearing about this sounds good there's a new way of thinking about that that is that, that is do things together and we as a clients are always used to go for the lowest cost what 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 suffers then is quality so if you can make a say you you have three people subscribing to your tender, not don't always choose the, the the lowest tender, but choose on the quality and make sure you can arrange with them and put it in your contract as well. Hey, we can share if you stay on the budget. I win as well as a client. It, it's um, that will I'm looking up and there is a very nice there's a, there's a whole organization and it's it's taught at Pennsylvania University as well I believe. Give me one. I will come back to you. That I will yeah, yeah, sure. But really nice. It's a new way of thinking, and I think it's a win-win for everybody. Is this kind of uh, IPD integrated project delivery? It's a, it has this flavor of integrated project delivery, yeah. right? Where people share more risk and take more responsibility, but at the same time share the profits as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you can do that with a client and a contractor, you win both. People win. And yes, it's like it's more construction. We call it a construction team, building team. 
where you design, develop your own. That's, I think it's really a very new way of thinking about tenders. Yeah. And I think it is going to win more and more ground based on the benefits it's in there for both. Yeah. I understand this, but th there are some, uh, some problems that pose here. And uh, one I see, like you, you start with a contract, you need to have a good, good requirements, right? For the project and what do you need to deliver? And after that, uh, not, not after that, before to have this, you need to have people that know what they need to understand, to require. Like in your case, yes, you have already, you, you have been involved in this over 10 years, right? You, yeah. you, have, behind, you have behind yourself a very important project. But there are many organizations where there are people that have no clue about this. They don't know who you are and how good, how much it helped you using BIM on your project. And they, how do you, uh, how do we get to those organizations? How, how can we raise that level there? Because it's not enough to have only, yeah, it's very nice that we have good initiatives, but how do we get uh, motivated and show this to more people? Um, that's a, good, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, Take your time and think about it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's also the challenge, of course, that, that we as functioners have with our way of thinking that digital way of working is beneficial for all. I think that the branch organizations have a very important role there because they have a much bigger reach to the, the construction companies and the smaller companies, especially, um, than we as clients, of course, and as asset management and facility management groups. Um, but they, you see also there that they're mostly focused on the bigger companies. And I had the discussion with the Dutch uh, building branch, I don't know, the Bouwen Nederland, the yeah. Construction Netherlands. And I said, it's very nice what you're doing and developing and you're helping a lot of people, but you forget the smaller companies. I think that you shouldn't focus on the, the Royal Bell, the, the high amounts, the big companies, but support the, well, the family companies that, that supply the big companies and focus on them and give them online tooling to digitize their working way and to understand an IFC model that they can open it online and get an Excel out of them so they can work with it. And they said, well, we never looked at that. So they're, they're going to start a program now together with clients to support the smaller companies. And also the Ministry of uh, Internal Affairs and Dutch uh, is looking at that as well to, to, to support the small. And, and that way we hope to get them on board and give them free tooling to start which is the way to digitize their processes. But it, it's it's easier said than done. And this was the first discussed last month. So it's, and I also am an advisor at the Biblocat, help them, that's the, 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 the organization that promotes open standards in the Netherlands to use a BIM. And also there we try to give them a BIM execution plan standard. So that smaller companies don't have to reinvent the wheel themselves. And we are looking at also the requirements from the client's side, the exchange information requirements to publicly share them. So it's an open document. We improve it as clients, as the bigger companies, but we share them free. 
uh, the, the effort and the, and the, the design costs we've put into it, it's the development of the industry. We see that as a client group. So we just put them on the, on the web, people can download them, edit them. And if they have questions, they can come back to the bin lock app. And that's, I think also a way to help to get people on board. Yes. But uh, I think like, like you said in the start tools, right? Excel and such. Are there, uh, I, I'm, I don't know what kind of tools do uh, asset managers use to operate their facilities. Are there, what are the, some of the most popular tools uh, when it comes to asset management? Well, you see, of course, the, the familiar, familiar ones for um, the bigger, we have worked at Botnet and Schiphol, we work with S3 to, to make our locations and to put a lot of data and analysis in that, but also IBM Maximo, of course, the Maximo as a facility management tool. Um, we have, of course, all solutions. We have a lot of the, 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 the big companies supporting us, but again, there you see that it's siloed based. It's not really open yet. So you cannot really share knowledge between A and B uh, to, from GIS to Maximo is hard to develop and it's coming and there are open standards like IFC, the, the OGC, uh, Open Geospatial Consortium is really helping to integrate those systems. I see. And I think that is also why IFC is now working on to develop um, link database, the, the OEL, OEL the, the, the W3C standard, to also implement that in IFC standards, to make it more accessible for others to develop further. And if you look at the GIS and BIM, because that are probably the most used tools also in facility management, it's hard to make sure you can use the information you get correctly. And there, there's the challenge for it also as a management. What system do I need to make the, the good decision? And where can I store and update my information continuously without making the, the, the mistake that I can save the same data in two places? So location-based and GIS is good in different, how to say, is the better in, in wider range of model models and BIM is more local so like building wise. Yeah. How can I use them both to improve? Analysis um, is now combined as tools. It's, you know, I can explain it in Dutch easier than English. I'm not now, I have to speak more English again. <laughs> it's okay. So to combine it, that's also the challenge I'm working now. And I had the same challenge at Triple that also Maximo people who work with Maximo, this is the facility management and work orders of daily work progresses in Maximo, like, and also all solutions and all plan are afraid of opening up their databases to GIS and vice versa. So Esri is looking at edge and I think there is now the challenge that people also there have to be open with their data structures, not only share through IFC and open standards, city GML, those kind of things, but also look, hey, all my information is available through APIs, open, open APIs that people can make their own functionalities and offer more functionalities than the, those people, the software companies, the vendor locking companies are working on. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but this is a way too, too far away territory for me. I've never been to, yeah, to no, that part. No. Okay. 
but I, I'm thinking like uh, you would be uh, like some some simple tweaks uh, for the requirements for the data you get right now. Like you said, uh, the data you get from the designers or constructors is not made for asset managers, right? For for to you to be used. You need to tweak it or you need to work on it, right? Would be difficult. Yeah. Would be difficult to integrate some requirements. Uh, specifically requirements that designer can design with that in mind, with the uh, use of the facility in mind, and not with just to have the building built? Well, I don't think that's difficult because what I said before, they, they already put the information in it. Yeah, It's more how you build up your data model or your, or your design model that the, the moment you start with designing, you should have in mind the requirements at the end. Of course, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> and and that that is because a lot of designers think I will fix it afterwards. No, that is not possible. And that's also the, the client side that to really make sure that the first moment they start designing, they follow your demands and the requirements, your information requirements. And as soon as they stop doing that, hold the project, hold the design to make sure they update it before they move forward. And I had I just had a presentation this morning about location because everybody forgets how important that is to organize your your your, your asset management um because what i said the WaterNet and simple as well we have one of that has 600 buildings spread wow. out through the whole province so if you get information you want to know at what location that information comes to so location based their their, their gis and bim come together so you have geographically and geometric. And that's also one of the things that people, designers forget and engineers. And it's they're realizing it slowly, but it always, every building has location in this world. Look at Google Maps, look at Apple Maps. It is a location that's important to get on the right spot. If you design a nice building and you want to show it on Google Maps, you have to be on location based. Yeah. On the real world location, not on the point zero in Paris. That's lots of people work on. And that's also important. And that's why the client's requirements should be followed from day one. As soon as they start designing, the client should be on top of it. For asset management, and because locate everything has only one location in the world. You cannot have two from the same object. Yeah, yeah, sure. That makes sense. It is also one way to look at it. How can you find your assets again? It's always somewhere in the world. But it's difficult. Yeah. Definitely, but uh, uh, it, it's a it's a daily practice right now in Netherlands that all the customers have a beam strategy or a beam execution plan for their project. I wish it was true. Uh, uh, you see, the, we had a uh, poll um, this morning as well, and there was a question: How many um, engineering companies receive an execution plan from the the client? of uh, exchange information requirements. And shamefully to say, it was only 15%. There you see that it's not common yet to demand it. And uh, uh, my response to that one was as well, well, if you don't receive one, don't start working because at the end, you have to hand over your, your um, as-built information. But if you don't know what to hand over, you have big problems and always discussions about if it's not complete or it is complete. So if you don't receive the required information requirements, 
or at least say, okay, we can do it. We can make your project without the information requirements, but this is what we'll deliver you. Put it in your offer, in your tender document. Um, so no, uh, but I hope that people will wake up as clients. And you see that the big companies, of course, like Schiphol, um, the Dutch government, um, they are doing it. They're working with, with information requirements, but also not uniform. It's always different. So the, the benefits is minimum because the Dutch government asks it a little bit different than Schiphol. And Schiphol asks it a little bit than the, than the municipality of Rotterdam or Amsterdam. And we as clients have to align that as well. Be open because a door is a door, uh, a, a brick is a brick, a, a climate system is a climate system. We can make sure that we ask the same demands. And that's probably one of the reasons I start talking to Fred Kloot of the facility management department in the, the Netherlands the organization and said, hey, facility management is also a really important role as, because I see asset management is the maintenance of technical equipment, make sure things work, that we can make the KPIs for our buildings technically. But facility management is the usage of the building. You rent out spaces, you need climate performance, you also have data. You need data. You want to know where people were, so you need spaces. So that also has to integrate. Also, that should be looked at if it, if the Dutch government builds a new office building, look at facility management, if, but probably even more than the technical climate. It's too much, I think, now. Eh? We've come from A to B. It's, it's, but it, we need share. That's what I tried. Maybe that's what, what I tried to say here. Share your documents, share your knowledge with clients. That's my role. But also as contractors, if you learn how you can hand over the correct information and publish it, make it available to other construction companies, because maybe in five years, you have to renovate that building from the client. And the client doesn't have the information because he didn't hand over the correct information. So I think that the, the way to go is to be more open share your experience more broadly and publish them. Go to conventions. All people should especially go to more conventions and l listen to what people have to tell and listen to what their experience is. And that's where my advice to other client companies, let your people go, let them learn outside your own company, let them be challenged daily and give them more time to look and find out and spy on other companies maybe that's the way to go to go to Autodesk University go to building smart conventions go to you know what what other guys do you have the the IM asset management symposium go there listen share yeah that's I cannot say that enough you learn I learned most things I learned is by going there and sharing my problems and what was not going well. Maybe that's even more important. What is not working yet? Exactly, exactly. This is what, something that I really don't like about uh, usually about the normal uh, conventions. Like everybody shows off how how cool they are, how good things they done, but nobody talks about the problem. We need a platform where we can talk about those how we how we overcame problems, how we fixed. So somebody can learn something after that, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I told him, Mike. But if you look at my YouTube when I started that, but when I gave that my presentation in Berlin, I, I was 
fair and I'm not enough to say that we never can give out the correct information to our new projects. We were nine out of 10 times you were wrong and still are because it's so hard to keep updated. And the way to, to improve that, we, for Schiphol, we had to plan that it will take us about six years to improve all our information. And it's not, it cannot be done quicker. And what are at the same? We see we have a lot of data, old data, but nobody will say for sure that's correct. Because over time, people work with an Excel instead of in the database because the database was far from them. They couldn't find it. They couldn't find the right information because it works more difficult than Excel. Yeah. And that's probably one of the things that's improving for me as, as, as digital, as information manager. Databases are more accessible. There's easier to make applications suitable for the people on the workflow. They don't have to be bothered anymore with Maximo, the technique, or the GIS systems. We can develop web applications now that they can see the information in three clicks. And you can do it on your iPhone, you can do it on your laptop, or you can do it on your, well, I don't know, whatever you are in your Google Android phone as well. So it makes the accessibility of information much easier and also to keep it up to date much easier. But they can change the information in the way that they like it. So the tooling or the, the device you, you do it is not in control anymore because we can give them free. We develop a web tool and you can adjust your information if you have the correct rights to enter. So that's, I think, the most beneficial now. That's, what, that, that's also the tooling we use now for people. And that keeps them from stopping working in their own Excel because they can enter the way they want to enter the systems and the data. And we can show them in a GIS platform, we can show them in 2D, or we can show them the 3D model, depending on their needs. And I think that is the, the, the biggest step forward in digital, digitalization of asset management. But is this, uh, do you use, uh, like, are these tools built by your in-house developers? Or you, are you using something uh, outside, something uh, commercially? Uh, open for everybody and you just customize? Now we're still developing our own uh, based on open standards and based on web technology. But I think that that's only done because our own databases and structure is not optimized yet. It's not correct yet. So we know where we have to look at it. But as soon as our object art library, the information requirements are specified in uniformly, uniform and, cons and consistent, then we can start going to, to open source and development companies outside the world. Mm. And I think we have to go there because now we look at, with how do you say, the, the one eye with the, the, the bandit, how do you say? We look with sheets, how do you say, I don't know. The... Yeah, we look too small. Uh, the, our site is too small to Yeah, yeah, locally. as companies, as clients as well. And I think that if you have commercial companies working on it, um, they have, 10 clients. So 10 clients will probably ask a little bit different, but almost the same. So it will be cheaper at the end to look at, to, to, to go to an open commercial platform. Um, I saw Ecodomus, you probably heard of that. No. Ecodomus is one of those tools that is using data of clients and making it available through the web. But it's only possible if you have con consistent, nicely structured databases as a client and only the data on one place uh, stored. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's the challenge we have to do. And you can you can have GIS, you can have a Maximo, you can have a BIM, or Autodesk, uh, but it should all be open and then rich. And Ecodome, you, you Google it. I think that those companies are the future for asset management. That we can all, that they will organize the way we can approach our, um, how do you say, our information and how we can look at it from different angles quicker because more clients will ask them questions. So we don't have to develop it for me, but they we can develop for 10 companies. Exactly. So we'll be even more efficient. But then open standards, um, when you come back to the to the technique a little bit, the the technique behind it, 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 it should be all structured open. My data should be available to open APIs. And I will say, and then you can uniformly develop tools and uh, applications. And that's also maybe good to know that I started the discussion with our uh, procurement uh, department. I said, oh, we only ask the information at handoff. But I said, <laughs> I want to put in my contracts that I want 10 years information of the delivering company. So if I buy an, an, an elevator, I don't want to hand over the information of what they de de deliver to me, but I want their technical service information for 10 years as well from all those elevators. I don't want to know where it is, but I want to see what breaks down the first part and after how many hours, because they have delivered 10,000 elevators, not only one to me. That sounds and if I can use that information to predict my maintenance, I will be more efficient. They can have my information of the elevator as well for free because they have it. They've just plugged it in when they come by, but they, then I can predict my maintenance and now that this also again open share but it's procurement looked at me but how can we put that in a contract i said well i want 10 years of information delivery next to the handover every month i want an update on their performance of their elevators the same time they sold i will pay for it but it will make my operations much more beneficial and economic definitely i can predict before it breaks down that's digital asset information management of asset management using the open the data that's available to predict what's going to happen to my assets it's i haven't succeeded yet convincing my procurement but i will try that i will not give up okay but it makes sense it sounds weird to not do it <laughs> but uh, i guess there are more implications there right people are not used with this kind of requirements as well and then, but you need to try. Of course, you don't need to. You 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 must not give up. The manufacturers of the elevator are afraid. Again, there they 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 say, but other elevator companies can see it as well. Then I said, yeah, but they don't know where the elevator is. They know what what functional. So again, they can learn as well. Yeah, and uh, can be a factor like they can also learn like uh, what they are doing worse than the competition. And they might improve on that. So yeah, yeah, you can improve your own work. And I said, don't see it as a risk. See it as an opportunity. It's how you work with information and with data to improve yourself. If you can have spy, maybe not not all companies see that um, that you can improve yourself as well. Who expected that Google will be the biggest company in the world twenty five years ago? Because data that's freely available. They don't. They didn't invest. They they wrote. Search engine and still improving it. 
and one of the most benefited profitable companies in the world at the moment. Yes. So just to look at the available data and improve your own um, performance. Don't see it as an as an threat. See it as a chance. Use it. I love this mindset. You know, I uh, I try to apply this mindset uh, uh, always every day when I encounter a challenge to try to see to to remind myself about this principle always when you have a challenge with something difficult there is always something that can be gained if you go if you go ahead and go but you just need to focus and see the thing like that so that's why i really like this mindset it's not easy but it all, sometimes i i catch myself in not thinking that way but then again, I said I will. I'm demanding it of the people who deliver something for me. So I have to keep on convincing myself it's still the best way to go. And I think truly it is. And again, share. I wanted to. Maybe that's a good one to do. Maybe we should start a convention about the biggest lessons I learned in digitization at at BIM. But what are the biggest mistakes I made when I started with BIM? And a convention only about sharing our mistakes. Yes, uh, what we have learned and how we solve them instead of what you said. Oh, I'm so brilliant! Look at my models and how well it works. Exactly. Tell what what didn't work in that project. You you know what? It, it, this is nice. Is eye catching, right? But you don't learn anything. You just hear. Yeah, you. Wow, that's amazing. But for me, I'm I'm maybe too practical, too pragmatic person. But I'm always looking. What did I learn from this? Can I do my job better? If I watch this, well, you can see what what is the potential is, but you haven't learned anything. That's true. So maybe that's uh, after this whole COVID is passed, we should start a convention about people learning from our own mistakes. Why? Why wait Who wants so to long? To present their biggest mistake in the past year. But why wait so long? Look what are we doing here? Look, I'm doing this from June. Nobody stopped me to do this. You know. It's much more accessible and easier for everybody to access it. Yeah, <laughs> again, true. <laughs> but yeah. uh, maybe then, then, then it's the, the challenge to have a small group in the workshop and then broaden it into all over the world. But because that's what the one thing I miss about COVID is to look people really in the eyes and. I understand. Yeah, nah. That's understandable, but an alternative, temporary alternative could be like to start some uh, masterminds, small masterminds with some people, right? That think this way, debate it and see wh what would be the best way to do to go about this. Because this is something I am thinking the last uh, few weeks about. This is a huge pain in our, in our industry, maybe in other industries as well. We could definitely help each other much more we can definitely learn much more from each other, from our mistakes. Yeah, uh, agree, agree. What is BIM for you? I, it took a while, but I'll ask you, how do you define BIM? As building information modeling, not building information model. Mo and modeling, yes. And I, I started, that's also nice. I started always saying it's building information management because it's true the whole life cycle of a building but then building information management is not the correct term so i went back to it is building information modeling and above that there's asset information management i see the bim is more in the design and construction phase 
Now there you have building information modeling, and that's really important to get the asset information modeling and the information management. Yeah. So it's the it's a two two way track, and that's I say that everybody and BIM is a word I try to avoid when I speak nowadays about information management and digitalization, because it's too broad. Everybody sees if you BIM, you solve the problems of everything. They say no, it's only a small part of the process. Yeah, and that's that's also what is said now in the the ISO developments. So BIM is not the magical word, the word that conceives it all. And the people say, if we do BIM, we don't have any mistakes anymore. I say no, that's not true, because if you don't have the correct information sharing, no correct data in it, it's still rubbish. If it's not organized, not structured, BIM is not the solution. So what does CIS BIM? BIM is a challenge still. Uh, but this gives a lot of opportunity. It will improve our business a lot. And we're still learning BIM, building information modeling. And it's the key, the way to, to go to make the construction industry as a management life cycle more efficient, more carbon neutral, but not there yet. No. <laughs> it's good for that. Otherwise, someone will be out of a job. <laughs> no, we will definitely find something more advanced, more complex that we might not even think about today. You know, don't forget about that. Yeah, that's that's also the good thing. That's it's good that you say that because when I started ten years ago, IFC was opening up. Um, Solibri was one of the first IFC model viewers and checkers. Um, now they're popping up everywhere. Everybody and now you see that there's more and more web based to check your models, share your models, um, even with the location based correctly. You see the, the in Estonia, they're checking now, can I do the permit checking on the web as an agency? The, the Estonia government is working on that with Europe. I look at that a lot because who expected it? If somebody would ask me that 10 years, when I started with BIM, yeah. would that be possible? I would say, oh, I don't know. I would probably would not have believed how far we are advanced and developed compared to 10 years ago. It's really amazing how quick it goes. And that's what you say. If I had the crystal ball, but we will say we're talking about five, five years. I don't know. Probably it's all integrated. It's all in the cloud. And we just ask a question like Google and we get the information. I hope. Yeah, but we, it's needed a big effort for that. And uh, like, we really need to cooperate and collaborate much better than we do today. <laughs> Otherwise, I, th I don't see that coming so early, to be honest. But regarding uh, what you said about BIM, I completely agree with what you said. And I, I think, uh, in a way, the acronym is misleading. Because what I think it's most important to think about is like just information, like use of information. You can call it modeling or management, but it's information. It's all about information, right? How do you use that information to uh, to design something, to build, and after that to use it, right? So yeah. always, like you can you can uh, twist that ho however you want, but it's everything. It's only about information. It can be in two D, it can be in three D, but of course at the end it's most important to be the smartest and the quickest way and the best quality of data that you can re that uh, more parts across the uh, supply chain can use better, right? Yeah, and that's funny you said also, I think that the information is generated out of the data inside your model, information modeling. So it, 
how can I look at the data? Because you should maybe look at the 3D model to, to, to make it information, the data that's in there. But another one will probably just look at the calculations in the schema. Exactly. And totally different than you look at the 3D model, but it's the same data in the model that they use, but only differently. And that is think also what people have to learn. You don't, you people only look at the 3D model, but there's so much more data in those models. Exactly. Can be interpreted for your question. What do you want to do with it? And it doesn't always have to be in a, in a 3D picture. It can be in a graph. It can be, well, it can be euros. How much does it cost calculations? It's still the same model without any 3D object attached to it. So I think that it is the data that generates the information and how do we look at it? Yes. And uh, I think actually that word modeling is very misleading because myself now, I got to a point where I, I know what that modeling means, but I don't think actually that modeling, it's meant to think only about 3D modeling, but how you shape the information you, you have on something. So, but it's very easy to connect it to this, right? To uh, building and you have modeling and you, you quickly think about that, but it's not about that. I don't think it's about that. It's what you do with it. You can model it however you want. Like you can model it to read only the doors you have on a project, like you said, or you can model it to see the lighting uh, all over the place, or you can model it to see the pricing of different apartments or something. Like from this point of view, here I think is the biggest misunderstanding. I might be wrong, but this is my no, opinion. No, no. This is my opinion. I, I agree, I agree, <laughs> I can agree. People should learn that it's data. It's not a building model, it's a data model. Exactly, yeah, and, yeah. And from the data model, you can make an information model fit for your purpose or your question. So maybe we should name it the building data model instead of information model, because the information is the question you need answered out of the model. Then it's information to, to make it a, information is you need to make a decision. Yeah. You don't need the data, but you no. need information to decide we go on or we stop. Exactly. So it's a building data model that generates information. <laughs> no, but uh, it's, it's, I think this is very important. And this as well, like uh, helping to clarify the meaning of BIM, which I think is one of the big uh, reasons that the misunderstand this misunderstanding is perpetuated. Like it's, it's really important. I think it's really important for people to really understand like that that beam is much more than only 3d model that is very important is not negligible it's it's hugely important of course to get us further but it's not only that yeah. and, and 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 that's also one of the challenges we have as the people who believe in digitization and in data to convince your management because if i look let show them an excel sheet because it can also be generated out of your data model or the information model they say, oh, but we can do that already. But if you show them a 3D picture, with exactly the same information in it, they can understand it. They see this new, but it's not new. It is all generated from the same data. You can, it's an Excel or it is data, or it is a, it's a graph. And, but the 3D picture always catches people's imaginations more and visualizes it more understandable. And I think still humans are visual people, visual beings. They want to see things 3D and they understand it quicker. Yes. 
if you, if you show them an HTML script, <laughs> people will get lost. I, I, me myself also, if I look at the IFC schema, I'm lost. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot read it. So it's, yeah, pretty, it's not pretty. I totally agree, but it helps convincing people. But they should understand that's much more than that. Yes. And we should all keep on telling people that and spread the news. It's more than three. This is my mission. <laughs> this I like to ramble about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's hard. It's still hard. Yes. But... And uh, what always was always one of class detection. Oh, BIM is class detection. No. <laughs> Full part. <laughs> yeah. You, you said something interesting uh, that 15% uh, of, of companies are using, uh, using this. And uh, this is Netherlands, where uh, it's considered one of the most advanced countries regarding to beam adoption. Like, like if you have so much struggles and it's so difficult to go across uh, the different local uh, boundaries, like from companies or uh, to from municipalities to municipalities to government to companies and such, like uh, like the ideal beam world would be like when beam is going to work globally, right? Yeah. That would be the supreme goal here. Like if you design a building here or you make a building here, you should be able to do it there as well in the other country. Of course, yeah. with adjustment with necessary adjustments. Uh, based on uh, uh, calculations and such. But mostly, it should not be like today. It should be much, much uh, easier to do that, right? Yeah. Th this is a huge, it's a huge topic. Maybe uh, it's like everybody is focusing on their place, on their uh, plate, uh, and nobody's thinking too much about this. I think building smart has this mission as well. I see Building Smart trying to do this globally as well, but I, I still think we are far away from that. But would that be madness, like to think uh, like this, like to be like the ultimate goal of BIM is actually to be globally, to be something globally? I think that's that's our goal. That's uh, that is my dream as well because I think uh, it will help us um, again work more efficient and that I can design for all over the world if, because I have a good information model, data model, I can in the, I can let it be interpreted by the, the, the Norwegian law or the Dutch or the German or the American law because the data is structured in the same way through IFC or through Building Smart and they can interpret it if the demands are confirming those laws or their demands of the government. So yes, I think that's really the goal and small adjustment for the, the only 50%, 50% of the clients demand a good information delivery. So I think that 80 or 90% of the Dutch construction companies use BIM through the whole process. But clients do not really have, uh, not all clients have a good exchange information requirements as handover. Exactly. That's, that's only a small part. Yet. And very important. Yeah, that's a small sub because I think that our construction companies are really still state-of-the-art BIM users. And I think they are really in front. 
I don't know for sure, but I think that we are leading as well. And you see, we are catching up. But if you look at the oil BAM group worldwide, they're using BIM and ISC thinking, looking at models. So I think, yeah, construction companies are leading in the Netherlands as well. The lesson they should learn if the, the client doesn't have a good information requirement, exchange information requirement, they should point it out to them and say, hey, I can do this for you. There is no interest. Well, but again, they should have interest, but in five years, I have to renovate my building and they want correct information. And maybe they were not the builder at the first time, but they win the, the tender for the renovation. So they want correct information that makes their work more efficient and easier. So it's a win-win if you point out to the client that in five or next or 10 years, you have to renovate it. You have to correct information to start off. So it's maybe not, they don't see it yet because, but they should demand it and point out to the client, hey, and if they don't demand it, this is what I'm going to deliver because I will, you will need this when you maintain it because they also maintain a lot of companies. So, but yeah, and I hope that you're right in, in that we can work globally. And, and again, I think that we're also that you look, uh, we are leading there because I know a lot of people that are advising now to the Hong Kong government and also to the Singapore government out of the Netherlands, how to use BIM and how to combine GIS and BIM. So I think that we have a lot of expertise in the Netherlands still, and that we're still on the edge of the technology possibilities. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm very proud to, to work with those people and to, to, li to hear, hear them talk and maybe see the good things but if you know them, you can always ask afterwards, what's not working? What, what were your hiccups in your development? So that's, but again, we're going to make a consortium about talking about our mistakes and learning. That, that, that's something definitely that needs to be done. <laughs> it will help me as well, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, like if we take these two things, like better exchange information requirement, combined with um, the value, actually. I, it, there is something that I cannot understand. Uh, from my, my knowledge, uh, and it's very shallow in this regard, but I've heard, let's say I've heard that over the life cycle of a project, the operating cost and the maintaining and uh, management, it's somewhere between 70 and 80% of the total cost of the life cycle, right? Yeah. So the building, the designing and building phase of the project, it's almost negligible compared to this, when you think, right? And then I'm thinking again about how much uh, importance uh, customers uh, set on the price, on the cheapest. How, how it's possible? Like, this is another thing that, what can we do to do something regarding this? Because if they don't see that, they have the papers. They see how much it costs, the pro oh, not everybody. I think people on project leaders, they focus on the project they need to be built. But in the, in the leadership, like the big, the, the top leadership should have seen this. Like, it cost me three milliards to build this project. And after that, I go here and I needed 100 over 50 years. How? And that, that's it. That's it. Over 50 years. The investment in front is 
so big that it really always is hard to get that amount of money in the first place. To understand. And, yeah. But that's the focus. And the other ones are spread over 50 years. So the pain at that moment is not that big. And I totally agree. It's the wrong way to look at your project. And then you're, you only look at the project cost, the capital investment to start with something. Uh-huh. And I, and I, when I started BIM at Schiphol, we had to, of course, make a business proposal, why it's valuable. And we started that project because we can bring down the construction cost. We said the, the lecturers and everything said 20%. We said it's 7% design cost. And we, the failure cost we can prevent before the end of the design when we start construction. And then I said, yeah, but okay, then it's 7%. That's nice. So my budget was covered. But I said, but now the big surplus is because we have the correct information, we can save 5% of the total cost of ownership. Wow. 5%. Look at that. That you said, make a trillion, million, hundred billion. And again, over the 50 years that we had user assets, we can say 5% minimum. And the investment, the investment into develop, uh, development of this team to, to, uh, to start, like for you, for this project you started. Yeah, um, that was, uh, I cannot mention for the part what it was. We, we had a capital investment of 40 million. In the project euros we're talking about euros yeah euros yeah 40 million euros and so we said we could save seven percent on the construction cost of the 40 million if we do it 3d and totally in bim and, uh, and then they said but bim will cost us an extra hundred thousand euros on 40 said, but it's not in the scope so we we're not allowed to do it in 3d and in bim okay after that we had the handover information i had a little bit of budget to make it the 3D model and put information in like the S-built drawings we received from the construction company. There were 600 clashes in it. Wow. And not easy clashes. There was handover S-built information. And then I said, okay, look, 600 times. That meant that 600 times people on the construction side had to go back to the, to the supervisor and say, hey, I cannot make this because there is a pipe going through an air handling unit, the sprinkler system. So let's say that it costs a thousand euros because he could not do his work today. His new materials had to be ordered, the piping. It's much so more than a thousand euros. A hundred thousand euros against 600 times a thousand euros. And that's only construction phase. But now see, if we had not made a female model, make sure that the S handover information was correct, we accepted that's correct because we didn't know. Then people come there to the, to the maintenance side. They were looking that this is not the way I, that was explained to me. How much will that cost if you do that 600 times a year? So see the benefits if you make a good model, information model, and share. And then afterwards, then that's only the clashes eh, out of the... And I said clashes is only a small part of information modeling. Look at if the data is not correct about our climate system, about the sensors we built, um, how much energy uh, a climate system should have used. Is that not correct data as well? You cannot monitor it, so you cannot improve it. And you want to know that. And again, an example of the escalators in the, in the airport. We noticed, we, we talked to the maintenance people. Said, how, how do you know something is not going well? Said, well, I put my hand on top of the electro engine. And if I cannot touch it, something is wrong because it's too warm. So something is making extra heat. So it's not working correctly. Then we thought at the maintenance company as, as information data analyst, we said, hey, we can put a sensor on it. 
so we can measure it before it gets to warm. So not afterwards, we can send somebody in there, but then we know what's the problem. We have to know how warm may it get that still functions correctly. And that's data that should be delivered to us a handover. And then we can monitor it. Mr. Data is not correct. You cannot, it's, you cannot do it correctly. And again, don't share exchange knowledge. You can put it to the, to the companies as well that this is a simple example of how will beneficial can help. And again, modeling is investment that start is so little. So let's say project design costs will raise, will rise with 4%, I think, if you do good data model deliver, 4 or 5% maximum. And that will go down because more and more people work, are used to work. Yeah, in, get used to it, yeah. So we're not still developing, so now say it is 4 or 5% extra, but look at what you can save in the construction by virtual construction before you start building. It's 10 times that amount because design costs are even smaller and the total life cycle cost. Of course, construction of course. cost. Yeah, yeah. And we're still talking about construction. We don't talk about yeah. Uh, maintenance. maintenance. Yeah, but this is, that's what I told you. It starts with good modeling at day one. If you want to have, make the full benef beneficial potential to the whole life cycle, you have to start with correct information modeling, data modeling and handover. And if that's correctly done, the potential, the, the beneficial, the, the, the gain, the more efficient way of working as possible through the correct data is so much more. And I said, well, 5%, I think it's much more if you have correct uh, information data available to monitor your asset. Yeah. We don't have any filtered samples yet. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still difficult to know exactly, but you will know in 50 years, right? You will yeah. then know, like, look how much it has been. Yeah. But isn't that also what tells the whole construction industry? That's why we still still work so traditionally because we can never say the prefab concrete helped us so much more build more fish. Nobody can prove it. We'll think it because it goes quicker, but nobody has the, the, the numbers to prove it, to support. Nobody is putting any effort to do that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that. Maybe I need to start a startup and uh, do exactly that. <laughs> yeah, where, where are the Googles in construction industry, in the facility management and asset management? Where are the Googles? Where are they, where are they there? Why doesn't a brilliant mind stand up and help us solve all those problems? But it's not so easy that, uh, like, you need uh, cooperation from the constructors, from the clients here, because you cannot yeah. just go and plant... Uh, uh, some uh, sensors there, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's a challenge. Yeah, oh that, but God. that's also one of the potential clients have to open up that potential to demand it. If you want to work for me, share your information, share your knowledge. That's what I said. Humans convince them to share the information they have available in their database to me as a client. Not there yet. <laughs> But it's a very good idea anyway. Um, and like, we need to start getting you to, to use more uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning to, to, to use this data, to filter the data. And so we get uh, much cleaner, right? Because we have the tools, like you said, we just need like, and the, uh, uh, it's also baffling that I think right now, as designing company or constructing company or client asset manager, 
definitely each company should have more developers in-house. It's, it's a must. It should be a must. Yeah. Should be, yeah. And maybe that's also the challenge we have because we're so used to work to solve our daily problems as, as maintenance assessment managers, not to, to predict our problems. But we let them happen, repair something, and go back to our, our shell and wait till the next problem arises. And we don't look at the data and use it, the data potential. We don't use it for legit. So we should start to learn to look also at asset management as data management and analyze more data analysts and let them just look at it. Just let them analyze the data and see what they can get out of it. Uh, more hackathons, organize more hackathons. Oh, Get yes. your data available and say, well, I don't have any problems yet, but solve my problems. I don't know what, what's going to happen to me next year. This is my data. This is my information. What can you find out, Hackathon? Find out what, what elevator will break down next week or next year. It's good to talk to you. You open up the new uh, ideas again to make hackathons about my data management Thank or you. asset management. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, like, uh, I think two or three weeks ago, I've been actually to a hackathon in Oslo about smart mobility. Uh, it's been organized by uh, Public Road Administration and other agency here. And they come up with good ideas, uh, really nice ideas. So, of course, definitely uh, it's, it's needed. It's much more needed uh, to be done there. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, what do you think about, uh, like, where do we go from here? Well, let's let's think about about something that, okay, we talk about what we it's it's needed to be done, but uh, what can like if I want to involve myself, if I if I really want to make an impact or something, if somebody w watching us right now is is thinking, I I would like to do something regarding this. What should I do? What what are the ways? How can I learn more? And what should I do? If you want to start, um, find uh, people around you that are working in the same industry and look at them who already started with BIM, start working digitally, talk to them, invite them to come over and let them tell them your lessons. And don't try to invent the wheel yourself. Don't put too much effort in re reinventing the wheel because a lot of it is already invented. So look at the market. Don't. That's my first advice. Look at concrete competition companies, call them and say they want to share their experience with the digital working. That's my first advice. Don't try to reinvent the wheel for yourself. Don't be shy to ask questions to other companies. And that's maybe the one good thing about digitalization. People are more open. If they were approached and asked questions, they will share. Uh, maybe not, not all the way back to their own internal database and how they use the information, but there are 90% sure, I'm, I'm sure that they will help you what you should do as first step, how to organize your company to start working digital, more digital. That's my biggest advice. Don't look at your competition who's working digital and approach them. Don't be shy, approach people and look at the, at the local branch organization, go to them, they will help you. Don't try to do it yourself. That sounds very good. Uh, what about the other asset managers? Do you have any advice for them that are not employing yet BIM or that don't have uh, uh, exchange information requirements? Start today. <laughs> Start today. Again, there, there is a lot of on the market. There's a lot of information available. 
um, ask again also go to other clients in the Netherlands we have a client group discussion everything once about one quarterly to discuss our development lessons we learned uh, not not really lessons but show off what went good and <laughs> not the lessons yet <laughs> and find those people again asset management we can share so much more together and try to find each other better again there's the same and if People that say, I'm here, I'm, I'm open, I'm willing to share. Um, I'm willing to share our exchange information requirements. Um, I think that's beneficial for me as well. As more people follow my standard, it will be easier for me to find good contractors and good advisors. So again, go shopping before you start asset management there again, because our objects we maintain as asset management are 99% the same. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Do you have uh, this uh, exchange information requirements in uh, Dutch or in English? You said you have uh, them somewhere that anybody can use it. We have them in English, not that well yet, maybe. But I know we, we published the one from Schiphol in English. Um, we have also the IDS um, basic IDM. That's in, it's on the bimlocket.nl. Okay. It's it's an open standard that that is the, the the 10 basic rules for a good information model. And that's really the start of a good asset management model as well. Okay. You need to share with me this link. Yeah, it's translated in all it's in Spanish, French, German, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, and Portuguese already. In those languages to start again from day one, if you start modeling, what should be at least the 10 rules you keep, have to keep in mind? And I will share that link with you. It's even in Norwegian as well, I think, as well. It's on the building smart side of the Norwegian of Norway. Possible. Yeah, and I think that um, one of the good things to look at asset management is, I don't embrace it yet totally, is Kobe. Kobe is one also, it's it's very technical. It's It's not suited yet to use in processes yeah? the design process the facility management process it's only the handover information so that's what i don't like about it because it doesn't say how you build up the information uh-huh. it's, uh, it's what do you need of kind of information so yeah but if you know it's a good guideline but if you know what you need then you might you can use that to require yeah but then then you have this okay yeah yeah it's a good starting point but if you say, I want all this, then people start, yeah, but when do you want it? Do you want it at day one or do you want it at the end? And that's the discussion. That's the thing that Kobe is is lagging at the moment. Uh-huh, it's missing. Okay. So you build up information. So that's a, but it's a good guideline as well to use as asset management. To at least look, am I asking the right things by end of it? So yeah. And join building smart as asset owners. Sure. As clients, more people should get involved in developments of the standard because now the construction companies are leading there. And I think in standard, open standards, sharing of information, the most beneficial companies in the world are the clients, if you have correct information. Because then it's only three-year building period and 50 years of maintaining an end. So make sure your requirements are well known to the people who are making information sharing possible, building smart. Yes, sure. I could not have agreed more with that. How can anybody reach to you if uh, they want to ask you something? Call, email. I haven't 
email me, alexander.warp, W-O-R, at buildingsmart.nl. Okay, what about LinkedIn? I picked you up on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, but I'm in LinkedIn as well. And I think, yeah, that's also a way um, to find out. But I think then it's not always the best way to communicate more broadly. Email is you can share more knowledge and, and make a Zoom call even better. This just discuss things and show things to each other is even probably more beneficial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but LinkedIn, of course, yeah, yeah, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm open to share. That, that was a note that I accepted your, and I was really proud to that I was invited by you as well. So, thank you very much. LinkedIn is beneficial. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a real pleasure and uh, very uh, insightful to have you here. Thank you very much for the, taking the time and uh, joining me. Wow. Yeah, no, no, more than welcome. I hope to speak to you soon again. <laughs>